Welcome to Street Talk Theology with Pastor Dominic Grimaldi. Pastor Dom went from a life of organized crime to federal prison. There, God saved him and set him free. Soon after his release, he attended seminary and received his master's degree and is now the senior pastor of Desert Sky Baptist Church, where he serves with a passion for biblical theology right here in Casa Grande. Now let's join our host, Pastor Dominic Grimaldi. Pastor Dominic Grimaldi here with Street Talk Theology, and we take theology and bring it to the streets. Today is the second part in the Genesis 43 sermon with the brothers and Jacob. Hopefully and prayerfully, it's been a blessing to you. In fact, Judah says, man, if we had not delayed, we could have returned two times by now. Talk about putting the ball in Jacob's court. That is what Judah has successively done. Now, there's a narrative hint we don't want to miss. Notice what the narrative calls Jacob in this section. Israel. He calls him Israel. This is a huge reflection on Jacob's wrestling match with the angel of the Lord. Twomley depicts that the narrator is bringing to our remembrance when Jacob was limping from God, who broke Jacob's hip in grace back in Genesis 32, when Jacob was called Israel, the covenant name, It depicted that Jacob had strived with God and man, but here he needs to be dependent on God and not trust in his own ingenuity. Then their father Israel said to them, if if it must be so, then do this. Take some of the best products of the land in your bags and bring them down to the man as a present. A little balm and a little honey, uh, aromatic gum and myrrh, pistachio nuts and almonds, Now take double the money in your hand and take back in your hand the money that was put back in the mouth of your sacks. Perhaps it was a mistake. Verse 13, and take your brother also and and arise and return to the man. And may God Almighty, El Shaddai, grant you compassion before the man so that he will release to you your other brother and Benjamin. As for me, if I am bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. Rachel, may El Shaddai grant you compassion. What a, what, a, what a picture here. So the divine narrator reminds us again of the covenant name Israel, who finally agrees with Judah, verse 11, and sends a caravan of goodies from the land. Alter makes a brilliant deduction. This is how the story started when the brothers saw a caravan of Ishmaelites carrying similar items. These are kind of narrative hints that puts us in remembrance of divine providence as God works all things and he's bringing everything full circle here. We must remember that at the end of this life, God is going to bring all things to completion. At the end of the day, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So here Jacob also wants to make restitution and puts money back in the sacks and also says, take your brother Benjamin and and arise and return to the man. This is the first time in a long time that Israel or Jacob invokes God's name, El Shaddai. God Almighty, asking God to grant them compassion and that both brothers will be released. The word compassion here is an interesting word, and we're going to look at this word more next week. 
But think about this. God does not approve when his people sin, but he still has compassion leading us to repentance. This is a huge word. Just think about a sinner that is hell-bound. And the Bible says God has compassion upon the sinner. The compassion means that God, by his grace, will give that person the Holy Spirit so they will recognize their sin, repent, and believe the gospel. That's the compassion that God shows on the sinner. By giving him the Spirit so they can repent and believe the gospel. Do you understand God had compassion on you while you were a sinner. And he gave you the spirit so you can repent and believe the gospel. What a picture of grace. This, and, and next week we'll deal with that more deeply. But man, when I seen that, I said to my, now God does not owe anybody compassion. No one. But it's by his divine compassion that he allows people to get the spirit and acknowledge their sin. What a picture. I mean, it, and here, and, and again, I, it's in, you can see here, and we're going to see this word come up again. This is a sanctification moment in Jacob's life. His conversion now has legs. He's now trusting in God. We see here a huge growth in both Jacob and Judah. And let's not forget the brothers. They're also going down to Egypt, putting their lives on the line and taking Benjamin with them. They also are on a divine potter's wheel, being shaped and molded. See, this is a, listen, now wait a minute. Notice the whole family is being shaped and molded through what happened with Joseph. Just like the church needs to be shaped and molded together. You notice what God is in being, God is, yes, personally involved in everyone's life, election according to the foreknowledge of God, we know that, but it's coming together as a people of God. Everybody eventually is going to get on the same page. And God is working all this out through his providential renderings. I mean, think about this, right? You see the family for the first time acting in unison. We see a wonderful act of God's grace here as the family is acting out of faith according to God's purposes for his people. And this took a long time. It doesn't happen overnight. It took 20, 25, 26 years for this to start to come to fruition. And don't despise the day of small things. You never know. Give the gospel. You never know when it's coming to fruition in somebody's life. I mean, it's taken this family for 25, 27 years to start to come together. There's still more ahead. But they're starting to meld as a people of God. In fact, in verse 14, Jacob, in reality, has no guarantee that God will grant this request. Basically, he's leaving it in God's hands. He does not presume on God. Listen, the same words. Listen to this. Remember Esther? Remember Esther? When, when Mordecai said, you got to do this or else 
the people are going to perish. And 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 she, and, and Esther says, I'm going to go in front of King Azahiris. If I perish, I perish. Well, what does Jacob say? If I'm bereaved of my children, I'm bereaved. Same picture. Basically, not my will, but your will be done. Jacob reiterates that El Shaddai will make the final decision. I, listen, this is a hard thing. But we were speaking about this in Bible study. This is a real hard, but notice what Jacob does. He comes to the sanctifying moment to realize and says, Rachel, he says, I, if this is God's business, it isn't my business. It's God, God's business. If I'm bereaved of my children, I'm bereaved. If I perish, I perish. Same words like Esther. Same thing. The question is, this is a hard question, a tough question, but a challenging one. If God, say, doesn't save my brother, or say maybe other family members, and I believe God is working on my brother by God's, I hope and pray, can I still say, if I'm bereaved of my children, I'm bereaved? Can we still come to a point and trust God and say that even if you don't save certain family members, will I still praise you and love you and honor you? Tough stuff. I know we all shake our heads and and praise God, and I want to shake my head. That stuff is not easy because we love our family. And Jacob has come to a point in his life where he wouldn't let go of his son until Judah, who wouldn't let go of his son. Notice the way this is happening. Notice how everything is coming full circle. Judah knows what it's like. He's saying, listen, Dad, I had to do this too. I made the same mistake. I held my son. And I had to get tricked into, so to speak, providentially, into making sure the seed, Terry, goes on. I mean, you see the way God is operating here. Will you put God before your family? How hard is that? That's the question. And it took Jacob 26 years. And look, he's got Simeon, but Simeon's a lesser son. She's not from Rachel. Are you going to actually take your favorite son now, and put him to bat for Simeon? For many, many years, no. No, but now. And Judah knows, Judah, Judah's been in this situation, right? I mean, so he's a good witness to this. That's why chapter 38 is one of the most important chapters in the Bible, because it, it talks about Judah's conversion, so to speak. 15 through 25. So now you're going to, now I want to, I want to just say something. Now there's a change in the text and we want to be good readers. Charlie, I know Glinda likes this. So now it's going to be the men and the man. It's not the brothers. Not, this is a whole, this is narrative. When we start understanding narrative, now it's going to be the men against the man. The, the men, which is the brothers, and the man is Joseph, right? 
Now watch what it says. So the men, see, so the men, took this present, and they took double the money in the hand, and Benjamin and Rosa went down to Egypt and stood before Joseph, who's the man. Then Joseph saw Benjamin with them and said to his house steward, bring the men into the house and slay an animal and prepare it, for the men are to eat with me at noon. So the man did as Joseph said and brought the men to Joseph's house. And the men were afraid because they were brought to Joseph's house. And they said, is it because of the money that was returned in our sacks the first time that we are brought in that he may seek occasion to, against us and fall upon us and take us as slaves with our donkeys? So they came near Joseph's house steward and spoke to him at the entrance of the house. And they said, oh, my Lord, we indeed came down the first time to buy food. And it happened when we came to the lodging place that we opened our sacks. And behold, each man's money was in the mouth of a sack, our money in full. So we have brought it back in our hand. So we also brought down other money in our hand to buy food. We do not know who put the money in our sacks. And he said, be well, do not be afraid. Your God and the God of your father has given you treasure in your sacks. Your money has come to me. Then he brought Simeon out to them. Then the man, the steward, brought the men, Jacob's bro uh, Joseph's brothers, to Joseph's house and gave them water. And they washed their feet and gave their donkeys fodder. So they prepared the present for Joseph coming at noon, for they had heard that they were to eat a meal there. So we have the men and the man, the steward, right? It's just amazing how this stuff lines up. Now watch this. They're not called Joseph's brothers, but only men. Because the Hamilton depicts the family name ceases, it's the men going and see the man. In fact, it also depicts right away in narrative fashion, quick narrative, in a blink of an eye, in verses 15 and 18, they're brought in front of Joseph's court as invited for a meal. But they're apprehensive. They're scared. Verse 18, now something needs to be brought out here. And that is knowledge, and, I'm gonna, and this is important, I'm going to bring this up later, but knowledge versus ignorance. Now, I want you to think about what's going on. Think about this. Knowledge versus ignorance. The brothers, Nikki, the brothers can't perceive what's going on. They don't know what's going on. It's fascinating to think that Joseph at one time was sitting in a dark cistern, a dark well, with no knowledge of what was going on. Reversal. As, as his brothers were planning and plotting his demise. But here we see a reversal. They have no knowledge of what's going on. Only Joseph does. Now Joseph is the one calling the shots and they're in the dark. So think about, I mean, this is amazing. Remember, they're eating their lunch. Joseph is, they put Joseph in a dark well, in a cistern. He has no idea what's going on. They know everything. They're calling the shots. And now, right, Carolyn? Now, that's great. I mean, that's narrative, man. So now it's the other way around. Now it's the other way around. Right, Ashley? Now, the brothers are in the dark, and Joseph knows everything. Just the way, I mean, this is, 
This is what scholars call a reversal of fortune. You see it, Terry? You see that here, it, this, is how, this is what's happening. In fact, the brothers figure it has to be a trick. There's something not right here. If anything, maybe they're feeling the weight of their sin as they now picture their own demise. But this chapter, like Jacob prayed, will exhibit compassion. Now, please understand the steward is part of all that's going on. He's acting in Joseph's behalf. He's the man. They're the men. In fact, the brother's apprehension to the matter brings about an inquiry to the steward before they enter the house. Where they think they're going to be punished, they speak to the steward in verses 20 and 22. And they're pleading their case to the steward. They're speaking truth. There's no deception here. They're showing fruits of repentance. Sin eventually finds us all out. And when it does, true repentance is needed, which is a gift. You see, again, the brothers fear retribution. This eye for an eye thing continues to become apparent. But God is a God of compassion with his covenant people. And in our own lives, it's something to think about. Because without grace and compassion, people will eventually have to answer for their sin and come under divine judgment. These are biblical principles. We want to think about we want to think about all will be guilty before God and die in their sins unless Christ stands in our stead. The steward answers that God has put treasure back in their sacks, verse 23. This statement according to Van Rad is full of dark uncertainty. The steward knows that it's Joseph who kept returning the money. He's part of the ploy. So this statement is perplexing. He attributes these actions to their God, and on the brink of this statement, Simeon is brought out. No hugs, no greetings, right? And if there was, the narrator don't tell us. That's interesting. Simeon's get brought out of prison and just, okay. So now the men are finally brought into the house, verse 24. All this is happening outside the house. Right Now they're brought into the house, verse 24 and 25, and they prepare to meet the man. They wash up and prepare his present. Because, you know, I'd, sometimes I think in songs, right? So I'm thinking about the, they're preparing, and I'm thinking about that song by Carly Simon, Anticipation. Right? I don't know why I'm thinking about that. I'm, t- I'm telling you, I'm, I'm seeing that, you know, they're preparing you know, to meet Joseph, and they're scared to death, right? And I'm saying, I'm thinking about the anticipation, right? And anyway, I don't know why. I put that in my sermon. Now, I want us to understand something. We know the outcome of what's going to happen, but there's a lesson for us here. And that, again, the knowledge of God over the knowledge of man. Paul depicts that the natural man does not accept the depths of the Spirit of God. They're foolishness to him. Yet he who is spiritual examines all things. With that being said, there are times that we cannot see the hand of God right away. But that does mean, that does not mean God is not working. Talking about the book of Esther, nine chapters, God's name is not mentioned once. But he's working throughout the whole narrative. In the nine chapters, ten chapters of Esther, God's name is not mentioned one time. That doesn't mean God is not working. Weeping may last for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Jeremiah rightly stated, great is thy faithfulness. 
As the songwriter reads, there is no shadow of turning with thee. With that being said, the blessing of this narrative is that eventually God's hand will be revealed as joy will come in the morning. In fact, as we have mentioned, Joseph brothers are in the dark right now. But again, isn't it ironic in the providence of God, they had put Joseph in the dark until the light of providence shined ever so brightly for Joseph after 14 years in prison. Eventually, it will be the same for the brothers, as it will be for us as we stay in the things of God. What a blessing as God reveals himself through his word. And, the, and, and here's the thing. This, listen, not everybody's in the same place. Listen, look, think about how long it took Jacob. Now, Jacob was one of God's people. Joseph is one of God's people. The patriarchs are one of, they're God's people. But sometimes it takes a long time. Mark, it doesn't happen overnight. For some, some people it does. Some people boom, right? I mean, repent, believe the gospel, on fire for the Lord. But sometimes it takes providential circumstances to bring people where they need to be. Don't give up on God, please. He didn't give up. He, he's the hound from heaven. He's the one that comes after you. He's the, he's the protagonist here. Don't give up. Keep preaching the gospel. Keep praying for your people. Keep praying for your neighbors, your loved ones, your family. You never know when God is going to open up their hearts. Look at all the years here. Look, their family is just starting to come together after 26 years. Praise God for that. Praise God. He's always working. He's always operating, even when you don't see it. And that's what, that's what the world is going to answer. This world is going to answer to the God that the Bible says, now this can't save you. But when you get up in the morning, you see that sun, and you see this world, and you see these wonderful pictures of God as an artist, you're going to be responsible for that. That's the end of part two of Genesis 43. This is Street Talk Theology, where we take theology and bring it to the streets. Thank you for joining us for Street Talk Theology with Pastor Dominic Grimaldi. You can visit Pastor Dom at Desert Sky Baptist Church at 891 West Corson Road, Casa Grande. And for more information, visit us online at www.desertskybaptist.org.